Hey there, welcome to this episode of the Leadership Advantage. And I'm continuing the series this year of to the secrets of being an exceptional presenter. And I'm talking about getting to know your audience. See if there's one complaint I hear about, it's a presenter's skills from their boss or from their HR, is that they don't adjust their presentation for their audience. And yet, those presenters believe genuinely that they do adjust for their audience. So who's right? Well, they're both correct, of course. The presenter thinks they are adjusting, but they don't really know their audience. Oh, what about the audience themselves? What do they think? Well, sadly, the audience don't really have an opinion because they stopped paying attention and moved on to other more exciting things like thinking about lunch or updating Facebook. To capture their attention and motivate them to act, you have to get to know your audience. And if you want to capture the attention of your audience and that they take some sort of action as a result of your presentation, you need to get to know your audience and present to them as if it were tailored exclusively and entirely just for them. Because you will have done just that. In the next two episodes, I'm going to share how you get to know your audience so that you capture their attention and motivate them to do the things that you want them to do. This episode is all about the kuna, the K and the N. And next, I will wrap up with OW, or O and W. But first, let me introduce you to the oft-practiced technique that is guaranteed to do the opposite of knowing and engaging your audience. I call it the ostrich manoeuvre. I am really an introverted person. Maybe you don't believe that because you've seen me run a workshop or speak at a conference. But when I first started out, I was terrified that I was going to look like an idiot, that I would forget my words, lose track and generally do a terrible job. So I adopted what I call the ostrich manoeuvre, a technique that essentially guaranteed that I would successfully look like an idiot, forget my words, lose track and do a terrible job. The ostrich manoeuvre is a favourite of insincere politicians and leaders. It's frequently seen in after-dinner speeches and boardrooms. And it's very, very easy two-step process and is guaranteed to make you look really bad. Number one, first, please make sure that you stand behind a podium and place your written script on it. 
If there is no available podium, then please turn your back to the audience and read your slides instead. Step two is to read your script, preferably in a monotone and rarely, if ever, make eye contact with your audience. This works brilliantly well to show your audience that you do not know your content well enough, that you don't practice because the audience doesn't really deserve your effort. And it shows the audience that you could care less who they are, what matters to them, or even if you're at the right venue. You will have seen someone using the ostrich manoeuvre as long ago as yesterday. Perhaps you've used it yourself. I understand. I much preferred to read a script than dare look at the audience and witness the devastating effect of my appalling presentation that was having on them. Now, the better you know your audience, the better you can engage them. If instead you would like to engage your audience and make an impact, then it will greatly help if you know, K-N-O-W, your audience. That is, be able to fully answer four questions. What and how much do they know already? K. The N, what do they need to know? The O, what is their opinion? And fourthly, the W, who are they? You'll notice that the keywords here make up the K-N-O-W acronym. Know, need, opinion and who. Easy to remember, yeah? So let's start with what do they know? We start with asking what do your audience already know about you and your topic? Because there are two extreme dangers here. The first is assumptions and the second is something called the curse of knowledge. You see, I carry a curse. A curse of knowledge. Just as you do. I attended a networking event recently where someone was sharing about Bitcoin. I quote, Bitcoin is a type of digital currency in which encryption techniques are used in a blockchain to regulate the generation of units of currency and verify the transfer of funds operating independently of a central bank. That may be true, but I still don't know what it is. See, I don't fully understand Bitcoin. I don't get how you mine them. Uh, I don't appreciate how they can be worth more than 10 grand. And I'm a geek. I feel utterly stupid when someone who does know speaks down to me as if I really should know. And it turns into a crushing sense of hopelessness. And that's not a great place for your audience to be. Sure, 
I'm biased and think of Bitcoin as e-tulips and a bubble that will hurt a lot of innocent people. But I'll come back to bias when we discuss the audience's opinion in the next episode. Generally, I, I know quite a lot. But I don't know Bitcoin, blockchain, Ethereum, you know, whatever. And I've now even heard that there's one based on organic bananas. To me, that's bananas. My knowledge may be similar or utterly different to your own. You have your jargon and I have mine. The only time we have a real problem is when my jargon makes no sense to you, when I assume that something I know is common knowledge. I've got a terrific little experiment that you can do later today with a friend or family member to truly understand the curse of knowledge. Firstly, I'm going to tap out a very, very well-known song. This, of course, only works if you're listening to the podcast. For those of you reading, it doesn't work. So I'm going to tap out this well-known song and you guess what it is. Ready? Easy, right? So you've guessed? No? Oh. See, if you were to ask someone to do this and estimate how quickly people would guess the song title correctly, you might guess at the commonly agreed 20 or 30 seconds. And the real answer is that roughly one person in 20 will guess correctly, and that after three repeats. And those, by the way, they're usually lucky guesses. So you try this with a friend or colleague. Tap out Happy Birthday. Oh, well, now, of course you recognise the tapping. It's easy now because the tune is humming in your head and you hear the tapping in time. Previously, you only heard tapping. The problem is that I cannot unknow what I know. It's the humming along in my head as I share. I cannot remember what it's like to not know what I know. And of course, I think what I know is easy. Well, it would have to be easy if I know it. But maybe, just maybe, it's not as easy or obvious as I think it is. Just like happy birthday ain't so obvious when all you hear are by the way, interesting. Now that you know it's happy birthday, you heard it immediately. When someone does not know something, especially something that colleagues or friends appear to know or pretend to, they may feel intimidated and they may just shut down their attention and choose their own ostrich manoeuvre. Or worse, they may get defensive and disrupt your presentation by heckling. To avoid making bad assumptions and the curse of knowledge, 
you must find out what your audience already knows. And a terrific way to do that is to ask questions. So we know what they know, but what now do they need to know? Have you ever sat in a presentation and successfully listened to everything that the speaker shared, remembered what was essential and acted on the information whilst simultaneously fielding emails, carrying out a chat message and planning lunch and all before a really important client meeting? Okay, now, in this very short space of time, what do you remember? Not a lot, huh? You just experienced a very small amount of cognitive overload and that was just thinking about those five things happening in theory. That went right over my head. See, cognitive overload occurs when your brain is being tasked with too many things at once or you are trying to process too much information. People who try to multitask are actually going into cognitive overload. It happens when you use too much mental effort in your brain's working memory to continue effective processing. You may well feel that the words flew over your head, you stopped taking any more information in and you tried to clear the backlog. See, it's also remarkably common. A leader does a data dump of the facts and figures for the quarterly report. A manager relates every little detail of a problem and the presenter rushes through the material, either because their time has been reduced or they've taken too long over the early part. Specifically, what does your audience need to know? And I do mean need as an absolute. Now, I want to talk about the new and the new. New N-E-W and new K-N-E-W. One way to help your audience understand is to relate something that they already do know with the new information that you're sharing. New information itself triggers curiosity, which is something you want to do. But if everything is new, you'll trip over the edge of curiosity into anxiety. And anxiety is something we don't want. Filling your presentations with all things new is like opening Photoshop for the first time and being presented with all 300 icons on the taskbar. Or like visiting a strange city for the first time. It's overwhelming. Sure, you'll find your way around eventually, but it takes time. You see what I did there? I related the situation, new knowledge for you, to something that you know already. Either you'll know about Photoshop and the vast number of icons, or you'll have experienced visiting a strange city. And even if not exactly aligned with your knowledge, the two examples provide adequate common experience for you to relate to or imagine. And that's just what you need to do with new information. Align it with something your audience knows already, 
by using examples, metaphors or analogies. And remember, you only want to include new information if it is something that your audience needs to know. It is not so that you can show how knowledgeable and brilliant you are. On top of this, your audience is likely to find 90% of your presentation as forgettable. So what do you really want them to remember? Your 10%. Now, Dr. Carmen Simon, author of Impossible to Ignore, is a neuroscientist and expert in making your content memorable. But she shares some bad news that your audience typically remembers just 10% of your presentation content. The worst news is that 10% remembered by one person differs from the 10% another person remembers. See, that 10% that you really want them to remember needs to be identified. And then you are going to take control of what they remember. And you can do that by noting what you want your audience to remember, three or four points total, and what you want your audience to do, your product or call to action. Now, we are clear that your, what your audience knows already, making certain that we recognize our own curse of knowledge and taking care with our assumptions. We're also clear about what they need to know, avoiding cognitive overload, aligning the new with the canoe, and identifying the 10% of our content that is essential. But do they care at all? We'll need to understand the audience's opinion. But I'm going to wrap here for now and prepare you for the next episode. So why break in the middle of this job? Well, because it's too much in one go. A lot of this is going to be new to you, and I decided that to be effective, I should split this into two episodes. Or you might go into cognitive overload and ignore the rest. In the next episode, we'll talk about opinion and getting deep into the who of your audience. We'll consider their power and interest, how they might resist, and the four audience types. You will choose specific actions or products from your presentation. For now, what I would like you to do, play with a friend with Tappers and Listeners, the happy birthday message. Think about what you can share that is new, N-E-W, and what they already know, K-N-E-W. And consider your 10%. What do you actually want them to remember? The three or four points that you want them to remember. And what do you want them to do as a result of your presentation? Then you'll be ready for the next episode on opinion and who your audience are. Let me know what you think of this. Hit reply if you're on my VIP list. If you're not, you should join. Bye for now. Be blessed.